Welcome to the 24 Stories podcast that aims to educate, inspire and help build brands. I'm your host, Stephen Ryan, founder of 24 Stories, and I'll be joined each week by guests from a variety of industries here to tell you how they built their brands. Welcome to episode 11 of the 24 Stories podcast. This week we're going to talk all things video. I'm delighted to be joined by Judy Russell from the Vid Academy. Welcome to the podcast, Judy. Thanks, Stephen. Great to be here. Before we get into the whole world of video, and I know a lot of my listeners are going to be really interested in video because obviously a lot of my students listen to this and people that I've worked with in the past and, you know, I'm, I'm kind of obviously obsessed with the whole digital era anyway. Your background isn't in video itself in terms of your undergrad and your degree and stuff like that. I kind of had a brief look and am I right in saying that you kind of studied economics? Yeah, yeah, I did. I did. And, you know, economics was my passport to get kind of my mom to say, you know, yeah, okay, you've done your bit now um, in terms of we're, we're, we're proud of you. You can yeah. go off forth and do whatever you want after, after yeah. that. And it seemed like, I suppose, the responsible option at yeah. the time. And there was no yeah. video courses like the ones in MTU or anything like that. There was None of them were available at the time. Where, what kind of time are we going back to? 20 years kind of there, yeah, thereabouts? Yeah, exactly. Would it be? Yeah, about 20 years ago. Exactly, yeah. So, so digital, digital really... You know, if we think about the internet back then, it was chat rooms. Yeah. It was basic websites, like blogs. Yeah, I think Facebook came YouTube out when I was in third exist. year. No, you know, and Facebook was very new. Bebo, Bebo was out at the time when yeah. we were uploading pictures and stuff. But sure, nobody was taking video. But why? I grew up with a video camera in our house. Okay. And I was obsessed with the thing. I yeah. was, I just loved it. I remember going to the Garnish Island with my sister. We had some project due for school. They wanted us to make a poster. This was like in, in, in like when I was like nine. They wanted us to make a poster. And I was like, let's make a video. And I brought my sister to Garnish Island, got on the boat with this big lug of a video camera and we I like hello I'm Judy and welcome to Garnish Island like bad audio like overexposed I've actually lost the video on a video cassette on a cassette was it the ones that you kind of slot into the side of the camera and not even the small one like a proper tape that then goes into the telly thing afterwards like so so that was my kind of introduction I just never ever thought that it was a career unless you were someone who lived in Los Angeles or something like that like I never thought it was something that was going to work probably at the time you were hoping to make a video that would end up on you've been framed or on these type of shows remember on the TV they'd have the funny clips you know what I mean and they'd be on ITV or RT or whatever at the weekend uh, and everyone used to make those little home movies where there was no such thing as vlogs or anything. No, there wasn't. And I, you know, like, I think as well, like in my mind, when I was that age, I was like, you know, going to be a famous television presenter yeah, and yeah. stuff. But then, as as you know, as you get older and you go into school, from my perspective anyway, I think a lot of people lose an awful lot of confidence. Yeah. And even though they know in their heart what they want to do when they grow up, they're too afraid to say it out loud. Is it people knock it out of you as well? I think so. I think from for me anyway, it was I the confidence was was knocked out of me completely. And, you know, I used to be very gregarious when I was younger and very kind of outgoing and yeah. and in secondary school kind of like a wall went up and I was like, mm. Okay, just focus on business and just try and be a wallflower and just get through this difficult time because it is hard like it's very hard yeah so I that, that's when I was like business seems like something that I'll just so did you do art or anything in secondary school or did you do any of the creative subject no I didn't I didn't I just did the the sensible things and the things would that would just kind of take a box kind take of. a box exactly yeah. yeah yeah exactly I remember doing one of those um do you know when you go to a person you fill out all the questions about yeah. what you should be when you're older yeah and it was like there was two options it was like a stockbroker or an artist and or opposite ends of the opposite uh, and you know but like that's who I am that I yeah. am those the, there's two people within me there's a super professional side yeah. and then there's a person who could live on the beach for the rest of my life and trying to marry the two of those has been a constant struggle for me until I got my own business and now I'm allowed to be that person because yeah. it's my yeah. own personality yeah. That's, yeah. that's in it. Whereas you had to fit yourself into that box all along. So when you were in, you went to UCC was it? Yeah I did. Why did you pick economics? Was it just, were you interested in people? I was 16 when I did my leaving cert. I was I was too young to do my leaving cert firstly and I studied so hard. Now I wasn't good at school yeah. up until sixth year. And then yeah. in sixth year I kind of got a, a kick yeah. and I was like, okay, I'm going to study really hard. So I studied so much like to the point of like I fainted one night and like, you know, I, th- I thought I was going to go blind or something like that. And I, in my pre's, I got like four, eight, five points and I was yeah. happy with that. Yeah. And I was like, okay, just keep going. You'll get up to like five, you'll get commerce 
I did my leaving cert and the results came out and I got 395. Okay. And I honestly thought that I was like, I, I didn't know, what, I, I felt like my heart broke. I, I, I honest, I'd say I didn't stop crying for like two weeks. I couldn't get over it. It is and an awful sensation, isn't it? It's yeah, really it hard. It happened and to me as well. Did it happen yeah, to you? The same yeah. thing? That kind of not getting near where you thought I was about 60 or 70 points below. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really kind of took took an mm. awful few years mm. to kind of get back. Because yeah. uh, when you work so hard, you expect it to pay off. And sometimes it just doesn't, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, did, I, I got my points rechecked and I got arts. And again, like all my friends were getting commerce. And in my head, arts was like a big pill to swallow compared to commerce, you know. Yeah. But in hindsight, it was the best thing that ever happened to me because arts allowed me to do computer science, psychology, sociology and economics all in first year and actually explore like, oh, I really like this and I really don't like that. And it was just brilliant. And I got to finish it in three years, whereas my friends were going on to the fourth year of commerce. Yeah. So that allowed me to do then a 12 year master's in economics in the yeah. same time that yeah. they finished their yeah. degree. Yeah. So it was this huge blessing, but it took me so long to to realise that too. So I was studying sociology one side, economics on the other. And I just found them so interesting. I was like... But that's going back to what you just said about just bringing these two different people together. That's it. And computer science was a great one. Now, yeah. I only did it for first year. Yeah. But learning about binary code and how the how computer language kind of was developed and stuff gave me a great then understanding, I suppose, about yeah. websites, how, how they're yeah. built. Like, you yeah. know, I can't code anything, but I have that kind of foundation of mm. why things are the way they are. And it kind of makes life a little bit easier. So when you got the master's degree then in economics, what was the next step? I would hear. Give L- me a ticket to... You've pleased, you've pleased in my home. I'm yeah. on. I'm gone. I'm exactly, going somewhere else. Exactly. Exactly. And you know what? Like I had a rough time in Ireland. Like, you know, like, you know, my, my parents had separated. My whole family broke up. We moved house like nine times. It was always this like struggle, to yeah. be honest. Like, and I was just yeah. like, I just want to get this and get out of here and get away from the struggle and just, you know. To somewhere fresh. To somewhere fresh. Yeah. But then you realise that faraway seas are calmer and when you get to other places you bring yourself with you so mm. you have to kind of sort through your own stuff wherever you may be and yeah. and so I stayed away for five years though. Five? Yeah and I thought I was going to stay away forever. I thought I'd have a new life somewhere else but I love it here so much more than I did before I left. I have such an appreciation for Ireland, for my friends, for Cork, for my mom, for everything you know I'm yeah. just. And where did you go? I went to New Zealand for two years, Australia for a year, travelled through India. And then I went to meet my friend who was working in Hollywood. She was working on kind of behind the scenes on Disney shows. And I was like, this is so cool. But like... This was you going back to Garnish Island with the video camera again. Exactly. But this is is the real time. Yeah, That was it. And, you know, I was looking at her and what she was doing. And I was, I I remember buying a really, really cheap Kodak kind of handheld camera. Mm. It's kind of like a camera phone, but it was, there weren't camera phones I couldn't afford anyway at the time. And, uh, and I was like, God, I really would like to get into this. You know, I was just about to start admitting it to myself that this is something that I'd love to work in. And then I went to, I didn't have a visa for America. I was only there as a tourist. Um, But so I went to Central America. And after a few months, I found a job that was for a sports presenter for a YouTube channel, (laughs) sports betting presenter. And uh, I went for the interview. I always tell this in my workshops, but like definitely thought I was going to get murdered. Uh, Thought this was just a ruse (laughs) to, you know, get people in and then then kill them. Um, But it wasn't. It was a real company. They were an offshore sports betting company with their HQ in Texas. And uh, they moved to Costa Rica because sports betting is illegal in America and set up this whole studio, green screen, lights, cameras, a tele telecaster what was it called tricaster this machine that allowed you to broadcast live on YouTube but like 15 years ago so it was like 20 grand for this machine and now you just do it on your phone it's mad but like that was my introduction I was like oh my god I love this so how did you end up in Costa Rica I wanted to learn Spanish I think and I remember being in Los Angeles and I was like where will I go now in Central America and I think the song came on, which doesn't even relate to Costa Rica. It was like, do you know the way to San Jose? And they're actually talking about San Jose, California. But I yeah. was like, San Jose, Costa Rica. That's yeah. where I'll go. Yeah. <laughs> so Next was, stop. Yeah. And did you Next know anybody stop. out there? No, I didn't know anyone. No. And I was on my own. And it's amazing how you, you figure stuff out. Yeah. Like, I didn't and and where, where did you see, like, the, the job opportunity? Was it online or something? Craigslist. Craigslist. <laughs> yeah. 
and were you just searching for jobs in the area? In an internet cafe because yeah. I didn't even have a phone or yeah. a computer. Like, So I'd, I'd go, I'd get the little bus down to the internet cafe and I'd stay there and search for jobs every day yeah. and go and get coffee and then go home in the evening before it got dark when it was dangerous. <laughs> so then what happened when you went in? You Like... What was the first time you went on camera? Like, what, what? Terrifying. I remember going in and there being a teleprompter that I had to read off. And I was like, like, I couldn't actually read out loud at the time. Yeah. You know, I could read in my head, but I think it's another skill to be able to read out loud. It is, yeah, yeah. And I found that really hard. So I was like, I was stumbling over my words and I was, but because I had fluent English, like because their audience was American, all they really needed was someone who could speak fluent English. So I instantly was able to be qualified for this job that I had no no qualification for whatsoever. And was it the case that the more you did, yeah. the more comfortable you became? 100%. And I started writing my own scripts. They were giving me scripts. Yeah. But then once I started writing my own, so, you know, I did like something about an NFL game coming up. And I'd be like, right, I'll just research it. And, you know, I usually go and take five articles, put them all together into one Word document reword them in the same kind of structure and just yeah. say them in my own way and then once I was able to read what I'd written then it became a lot easier I became confident I could yeah. kind of put in my own pauses my own humour could yeah. could be added to it Um, and then but the thing was you see I was doing all the presenting and all the writing of the scripts but I was I was so jealous of all the guys there was me and five guys and they were doing all the lighting and the camera and the you know vision mixing and the editing and I was like I, I want to learn this stuff. Like, what? why is the girl doing all of the, yeah, <laughs> the stuff the yeah, girls do? Yeah. I want to do the boys stuff. Stereotypical stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. So that's when I decided to come home. And I came home with the vision of creating videos for businesses. Okay. I was like, I think that all businesses are going to be creating videos in the future. So you saw that this rise of YouTube, this is going to translate into a business over here. Well, I did. I I, I assumed, but I was also like, I don't know if that's going to work, but yeah. I think it is. Yeah. And the DV show podcast. Have you heard of that? No. It, it, I remember that was out at the time. And um, again, it was back in tape land. We weren't yeah. even in SD cards yet or anything like yeah. that. But he was going through these podcasts every week of like getting really descriptive into the video production side of things. He yeah. was based in the States and he was already making videos for business. So I was consuming every single word that yeah. he said and, yeah. and trying to visualize how I could do this in Ireland. I was still too early, though. I was about five years too early when I came home. Um, like what time are you talking here? I'm really bad at years, but this was about 12 or 13 years ago. Yeah, it was a bit, yeah, yeah. So you're talking kind of 2010 kind of yeah. social. A lot of people thought it was going to be flash in the pan. A going, fad, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So so then um, I, I, I applied for a course in Kerry in TV and video production and I got it. I couldn't believe I got it. And it was it was the best year of my life, Stephen. It was like... I, I went down to Kerry, I went into Tralee, I got a, a mobile home on the beach that I rented for 50 quid a week. Uh, I did this course with all of these people in their mid to late 20s who had some experience in TV or video. Yeah. And I got like paid like the, a dole amount to do it every week. Yeah. And we got... you were a mature student? No, it was Mona Valley, our Kerry Education and Training Centre yeah, it's called at yeah. the moment. And like in there now they had a studio that would rival the Today Show. Yeah, you know, it was yeah. really cool. The lecturers were insanely brilliant. Everyone in my class was so cool. We yeah. were learning stuff that like, I would have paid, I would have given my arm to learn. Do you yeah, know that kind yeah, of way? Like, and and yeah. I was just, I was, I, I, it was just amazing. I, I wish I could have just stayed in that bubble yeah. for my whole life. And we had real clients as well, but they weren't paying for the videos. So we might have a school who wanted to make a history video about something with the class and yeah. we'd go out, shoot, plan yeah. it, shoot it, edit it and deliver it to them. So real clients with real deliverables, but without the pressure of money kind yeah. of coming into it and stuff. So it was, it was, I'd advise anyone, no matter what age you are, to have a look into that because it was just brilliant. Similar type of course so that when they get, you know, people to do plastering or you know, painting or anything like that, like the, the traditional FOSS courses, except this was in video. Exactly, like, like a trade. And we were with all the guys who were trade. doing, yeah. and guys and girls who were doing all of those courses. And that was one of the best parts, actually, was the canteen. Yeah. Every morning you go in and you get a fry for like three euro. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I just stopped that though after a couple of Bad months. for the health, it's, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So after that then, did you come back to Cork or just stay down in Kerry for a while? I came back to Cork. I started producing videos for businesses and that was, that was a real struggle. Yeah. That was like, because, you know, even now it's hard to charge what videos are worth. 
now and back then trying it's to get hard. people to pay for videos was so I was doing so much for free oh I got the back to work enterprise allowance that helped me out yeah. so I was able to get the first year of like was it 189 a week yeah. and then the second year it went down to I think 60 or, or half yeah, and then yeah. and then you're off on your own so that gave me a great scope but it gave me great scope to probably work 80 hours a week making videos for people for free so that was great because I was learning video production but I still wasn't learning the skill of selling yeah Vid- not selling but like business I wasn't yeah. learning how to value myself and to time it out properly and yeah. all that kind of stuff that came a lot later like I wasn't comfortable with that stuff and a lot of people in your industry would say the same that those early days are quite difficult because mm. they don't know how to price things you know they don't realise the amount of time that goes in anyone in creativity actually it's very hard to put a price on creativity isn't it totally and if you're you know as as creatives you, you kind of you're doing it for the love of the job as yeah. opposed to the deliverable so even though the you know like I'd talk to business mentors and they'd be like you know but the client didn't ask for you to you know rotoscope the video or like you know I'd explain yeah. what took me so long and they'd be like but they never asked for that and you never included it but you'd be like but I knew that it would make the video better so yeah. I didn't mind doing the all nighter but like as you as you grow up then I suppose in business you're like I actually can't do that without yeah. discussing it with them first yeah. I can explain what I could do tell them how much it would cost and get sign off and then before I even start it as opposed to getting obsessed with something and staying up all night and doing it and also them maybe potentially not even noticing because yeah. things can take ages. Yeah. You know, to make writing, say, look like it's been handwritten years ago, that was something that would take you hours to do. And I was doing it as an add-on just because I thought it would look cool at the end of the nice. video. Yeah. 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 So how long did you kind of stick at it? I did that for, I'd say, a couple of years. But at the same time, I was doing some work for Peter Foote, who's the writer and director of The Young Offenders, and yeah. Julie Ryan. See, Julie Ryan is my best friend, the girl who I visited in LA, who was working on the Disney yeah. shows. She's been my best friend since I was 11. And she is the producer of The Young Offenders, and she's working on insane shows at Whoa. the moment. She did the Vardy Rooney oh, um, oh yeah, uh, yeah. thing that was on Channel 4 recently. Yeah, yeah. Oh, she's, she's, she's a legend. Like, she's brilliant. And uh, we've always been close, and we still are but she was working on the fear the hidden camera show funny that you mentioned that about the videos actually yeah. the camcorders so she pulled me into that with Peter I remember the fear because when I was working in Fortra they came down and they filmed <laughs> an episode of it I remember that yeah yeah, yeah. I remember uh, that Jennifer from uh, I think she's on 2FM now isn't it that's uh, it yeah. so Zapparelli Zapparelli yeah. yeah she was doing it uh, she was dressed up as a warden for the day because then when I heard about the young offenders and Peter Fortra I said I'm sure he was involved in that fear thing yeah. that was in the park like you know and do you know what that was that was a great show to work on because uh, we were editing from a, a, a garage in Montanati like yeah. you know they were filming everything most things up in Dublin some things in Cork and then we were just getting the footage on hard drives editing it all together and yeah. then sending it off to RTE um, so it was brilliant to work on an RTE show without having to work in RTE if that makes yeah. sense like, but you know. did you have to perfect your skills so because this was very different from yeah. doing a, a business video in terms of this was going to be on TV yeah so yeah, the and quality will be expected to be higher. And and that was the, the mentorship, I suppose, from Peter, who yeah. is an exceptional editor. Yeah. And, you know, like, but like he, he also, he was he was a great mentor in, in the sense that he'd give you the deliverable and leave you off. Yeah. And then he'd come in and check it. He, he'd never sit over your shoulder watching everything. He'd come in and check it and he'd kind of sit back and he'd be like, here's four things that need to happen the next time I come and see it. And you'd be like, grand. And then he'd come back and he'd be like, yeah, great. We got it. And you're like, just a really solid individual to to work for. And really, yeah. I loved that experience. I loved working for them. But editing full time then is, I think you need a certain personality type yeah. to be doing yeah. it all day long. Yeah. Like, I don't love it. Unfortunately, I'm probably best at it out of planning, filming and editing. Editing is probably where I'm I'm best at, where it's the area that I would rather spend the least amount of time. Yeah. In, Isn't know? that always the thing though with people yeah. as well, that sometimes it's the very skill that you have that you're best at, you don't want to do. Yeah. Because it, it takes time or it's a bit boring or something because you're doing it all the time. Exactly. And then you, that's hard to then say, I don't want to do that part. Yeah. Everyone's like, but you're really good at it. And you're like, I still don't want to do it. So, you know, I like doing it, but no, I don't want to be doing it 12 hours a day, you know, that kind of way. And was it, was it like that in terms of did you actually work on the film The Young Offenders then? Yeah, so with The Young Offenders now with The Young Offenders I I was finished with the Back to Work Enterprise allowance I was totally relying on my own income yeah. and uh, so I knew I couldn't work on it full time because the way that the contracts in The Young Offenders were set up like like Peter 
didn't know if, none of us knew if this yeah, film was, was going to budget it was, it was on yeah. a total budget yeah. and you know it was self-budgeted and uh, and we didn't re- know that it was going to go anywhere outside of a few film festivals potentially yeah so you know the contracts were set up in a way that you would get paid if the film made money which was very fair um yeah. but at the time like there was no income from it so i couldn't yeah. commit to it full time Peter gave me the role of was behind the scenes producer, which is I could show up whenever I wanted to and yeah. record as much as I wanted to and interviews with the guys. And then that ended up being a 15 minute featurette at the end of the DVD. But because the crew was so small and uh, because, you know, there wasn't a lot of time, I ended up like, you know, being a van driver at a van, uh, like camera B, you know, like yeah. sometimes uh, DIT. So sitting in the back of my van, transferring footage, copying stuff over anything that needed to be done. We all did it, which was the joy of like it was such a happy experience making that film. It was it was savage pressure, yeah. But it was like it was just so much fun. It was it was really really a really brilliant time. And then the success off of it was just insane. And like you must have been all like nervous when that got released at the time, kind of saying like, what would people think of this big film we've made in Cork on a budget? I think that Peter had shown it to so many people who were high up, yeah, and gotten their honest reaction. I think I think by the time it went to to kind of Galway Film Flat, he knew that there was, there was that it was that it was yeah, something. Do you yeah. know? I think it was my first time seeing it yeah. at the Galway Film Flat. And also, like, you know, when you're working on something like this, I didn't read the script from start to finish. Yeah. So I'd show up on Thursday and we'd be doing scene thirty seven. And yeah. then I'd show up on Friday and we'd be doing scene twelve. Yeah. So you don't actually like Peter and Julie were probably the only ones and the camera person Patty Jordan were probably the only ones who had the whole thing in their head from start yeah, to finish whereas yeah. I was like when I watched it in Galway I was like oh right that far oh I, I totally get it now <laughs> you know you're kind of just watching scenes being filmed and you've no idea how it's going to fit into the bigger picture and then seeing it then on the big screen you're just like wow this is actually really really good I remember it was pitched to us because I was in Red FM at the time and they wanted us to be a media partner for the launch of the film and we said we'd do the premiere and we did the red carpet and stuff. And I was like, wonder what, would, what this is going to be like. And I never forget the reaction of the crowd afterwards. It was like, it, I, I'm sure it got even a standard ovation. People were that blown away by it. And then next thing, it's a global hit in terms of it ends up on the BBC then as a series. And were you involved in that part as well? No, no, no. Obviously, um, I decided that when it was time to properly get paid and have like, you I'm know, a good time. Of it. Yeah, it's time to move on now. No, I like to live on the edge. <laughs> yeah, I do. I totally do. I was like, mm, that's no. a bit too safe. No, no, I think I'll go off and, and do something else. <laughs> but it was a great learning curve, I'd say. It was amazing. Oh, it was just, it was, it was amazing to just see that how just to even see because like Peter went off to Lanzarote to write the script yeah Um, I was editing the final season of The Fear and he went off for a couple of months and I just couldn't even understand what he was doing really yeah, yeah. and then he came back with the script and I still didn't really like just you know it's it's more in hindsight that you're like all of the pieces of the puzzle like you just needed so much with him and Julie they had so much vision to bring something that's a concept an idea and actually turn it into something that people can watch at the end it's I'm I'm amazed still by it, by them yeah. and, and how much drive they had, you know. So what was your next step after that? Did you go back working for yourself then again? Yeah, I was still working for myself the whole way through. And you know what now? I was after making a number of videos and I, I, I kind of just lost faith in being self-employed. Yeah. I, I found that like, there was one video I worked on and I'd say I worked in it for eight weeks. Yeah. And it's probably been the video that I'm most proud of to, yeah. to this date. And, you know, I remember charging the company 400 euro and for eight weeks work for eight weeks work and the deal was that like I produced their future videos okay and then I got a call to say oh we're actually going with another company because they're well known I I can't remember what the ins and outs were I just remember bawling my eyes out like on the phone I obviously kept my composure and I was like yeah but you would be gutted I was gutted and I and that happened things like that happened a few times and I was just like, I'm not cut out for this. I can't, yeah. I can't do it anymore. And I was so stressed all the time. And, you know, like I was making another video for a crowd and I would a GoPro on the roof of the building and the GoPro fell off the building. And smashed. Oh, and, you know, it was the cost of the video was the GoPro. And I was just like, and I dropped a hard drive another time and I lost all the footage. Well, the hard drive wouldn't work. I had to drive to Dublin to get this like specialist company who usually deal with like, you know, um, 
detectives and get yeah, uncrypt yeah. footage and all this kind of stuff. So again, another 1,500, you know, computers kept breaking. Everything just kept going wrong. And I was like, okay, I'm, I need to I need to do something else. It's just not working out for me. I'm, I'm making myself sick yeah. from this. So I applied for a real job. I went back to my degree in economics and found a job for a business administrator, basically starting at the bottom from scratch in UCC and I took it and it was the biggest pill I ever had to swallow. That was a shock to the system, I'd say. Like from someone that was out in Costa Rica filming stuff, working on the young offenders, doing all these, you know, spending time in Kerry, real cool, kind of learning a new trade, then making all these videos to kind of say, I'm parking that and I'm going into an admin job. I know. And I didn't even have clothes for it. Like, I remember going in the first day and like, you know, like someone not on purpose. They were really, yeah. I worked with the best people ever in UCC. They're, they were all so brilliant and professional. But I remember like someone like, you know, looking me up and down. And I, I like, I totally know she didn't mean it, but like I was inappropriately dressed for that. And, you know, I had to go out and like buy heels and yeah. things that looked appropriate for a professional job because it just wasn't me, you yeah. know. And oh, I had Irish TV in between all that. A year of making a TV show. An actual TV An show? An actual TV show that went out in Sky 191. Um, oh, I remember that channel. Do you remember yeah. that channel? Yeah, yeah that, yeah. Was, that was that was insane. Sorry, that was kind of what broke me as well. It was to deliver a 30-minute TV show every single week on a budget of €850 Euro per episode. It might have been €750 Euro per episode. So, like, it was horrendous amount of work like I was doing an all-nighter once a week I was working oh every day I had I thought I trained my friend one of my other best friends how to edit she was out of work at the time yeah we like moved into her dad's garage she learned how to edit her boyfriend became my second cameraman my boyfriend at the time was my main cameraman uh, it was just all of us making four of you working on, on a budget of 850 I right? know it was so bad <laughs> It was so bad, yeah. but it was, it was, it was so amazing. So, but like, you know, I was still like, I have my own TV show. Yeah. I'm doing great. And then and from the outside there, looking in, yeah. oh, Judy's doing brilliant. My mum's friends thought I was so yeah. She's on so top. cool. She's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so then going from that, yeah, to UCC, to, to a business administrator role was really hard for me. But you know what? It was brilliant because I had to suck it up and I had to go get rid of your ego now. Yeah. And learn as much as you can from this job. Which I did. Yeah. And it was the best thing that ever happened because I I kind of graduated to becoming a project manager and I was working with all of these extremely professional people who'd come from, you know, Deloitte and and yeah. like Ernest and Young and stuff like that. And they, they all had this just amazing ability to, you know, have meetings and progress stuff and to plan. And and I was like, one day I was like, Okay, I don't think I'm gonna be able to do this forever. Yeah. Maybe I can bring all the things that I'm learning into the video world. Yeah. Maybe I can apply this project management approach to video production. So that actually, it wasn't a, it was a sideward step, really, yeah. going into UCC. I wouldn't say it was a backward step because actually it was like getting another bit of education that you needed yeah. to go forward again. And to be confident as well because I realised I was making videos for businesses and I wanted to be able, I wanted their vocabulary. I wanted to be yeah. able to go in and speak to the CEO as well as my colleagues were yeah. able to speak to the yeah. main stakeholders that they yeah. were dealing with. So it, it gave me this amazing sense of confidence. And then I also had the clothes now. Yeah. Do you know, I wasn't going in on my like, you know, creative, cool kind of clothes. Did you find that made a change? Yeah. Yes. Like, yeah. 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 And I I wish it didn't. Yes. Um, you know, but it does. It one hundred percent does. How you Dress present for the yourself. occasion? Yes, one hundred percent. It was interesting because on the podcast a couple of weeks back we had Tony O'Connell, the photographer. And he's in the seventies now. But that was one piece of advice he said he'd give somebody younger creatives was make sure you're dressed for the occasion. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's such a, I think it's great advice. And yeah, there's, there's there's a way to do it. And I think that takes time too. Everything just takes more time than you'd ever think it would, I think. Yeah, and some people, do you see it, a lot of graduates, college graduates, they think, you know, they get frustrated because the success doesn't come straight away. But if you just keep at it, it'll come. Absolutely. And absolutely. I remember being so fed up so many times in my life where I was like, I'm trying so hard. I'm working so hard. I'm, you know, I'm, I, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. And I think if I just chilled out yeah. 
and just stopped trying to, you know, they said that like Instagram makes you, makes 20 year olds think that they should have the lifestyle of, of people in their 30s. Yes. Without all the time that it's taken for the people in their 30s to yeah. get there. Yeah. And my motto, my new motto is, I go around in my head all day long, is I don't chase, I attract. What belongs to me simply finds me. Yeah. And that for me as a person who is just generally kind of, I suppose, stressed that I'm not doing enough all the time, mm. that makes me kind of sit back and go, you don't have to work as hard as you were in the past. You can relax. If it's if it's meant for you, it will come to you. Yeah. Chill out and let the process give it more time, but I think. time also has given you credibility and all the different projects that you've worked on, which in turn makes people trust you. Would I be right in saying that? Absolutely. And I think, you know, you're right because if you rush things too much and you're trying to take on, say you're like, okay, I'll take on 10 clients now and yeah. then, you know, then I'll be super credible because I'll have 10 clients. But then what you might do is doing a shoddy job for five of them so would you not be better off just taking five and really focusing on that five and giving it your all? And, yeah. you know, so I'm learning to definitely be less, I suppose, ambitious. I, I think that's what I'm kind of, yeah. as I get older, I'm like, you don't have to know everything. Yeah. Like if I had two hours spare, I'd be like, oh, do you know what I'll know? I'll, I'll try and learn something on After Effects. And I'm like, I don't want to yeah. be in After Effects. Yeah. I need to get someone else to do and the After Effects. That. I need to delegate. Yeah. 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 So and then I'm I'm not wasting half as much time and I've got more free time now, which I never really had. I was so into the work thing. And how long did you stay in UCC? Five years. Did you? But they were amazing because they um it was a subsidiary of UCC. It was it was they were just a great place to work for me at the time because I started five days. Then I went down to four days. Yeah. They were supportive of my my business of growing the Vid Academy. Went down to three days. And then during COVID, I was down to two days. And then I was able to just phase, just leave um, yeah, there yeah. And, and go completely with the Vid Academy. But it was like, it was great to have that source of income that was reliable. Yeah. I needed that at the time to grow. Yeah. Um, As opposed to, now I could have done it, I suppose, but it would have just been a lot harder if I tried to just leave after a year, say, and just go, I'm just doing the Vet Academy now. Does it also take the pressure off when you have that support? Yeah. You know, when you know my bills are paid because I have income coming in, I also have a place that I feel secure every day. I can walk into the office, I'll do my job, I get paid for that. The other stuff, if it happens, it happens. Is, mm -hmm. is it like that? Uh, yeah, and, and as well, you know, when you're working on a job part-time, you can't be thinking about your business on those days. It's like a brain switch. So like you have to focus on your yeah. job. You've got a whole different thing. So it, 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 it makes you less obsessed with it. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, it's time to switch over into this. And I think it makes you better because yeah. you're, again, you know, as like creatives, you can, if, if you have a job, you could spend an hour on it or you could spend 40 hours on it and you could still build the client to the same amount. You know, yeah. so it forces you to be like, okay, I only have today to do this. I got to get it done. And then, you just become better, I think, you know, it's, it's good. And I'm guessing then the kind of the business changed because you said Vid Academy. Now, the very fact there's Academy in it, unless it's the Academy pictures, I'm starting to think it's changed then from what you used to do into something new. Would I be right in saying like training rather than production? That's exactly it. So I met clients about a video and uh, I was doing the, why are we making this video? Who is it for? Where is it going? And stuff like that. I was going into one of those meetings and we were having this open-ended conversation about their video. And an hour later, I came out with five pages of A4 writing. Yeah. And then I spent a week on their website trying to figure out, okay, when I watch, what they, what's their vision? What's their mission? What's their values? Trying to write a script for it and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, why am I doing this one day? I was like, why, why am I trying to learn everything that they already know? Why can't I just show them how to script and shot list? as yeah. opposed to me going off and scripting shot listing. So that was kind of the birth of this kind of eight step video planning process, which was the essentially the Vid Academy, which was like, here is a workbook for you to plan your own video. I'll run you through it and then come back to me with your plan and I'll give you advice on how to make it better. And then also what that means is then they can develop a relationship with a video producer to film and edit. So they might be able to say, okay, this, we want this filmed. It's probably going to take a half day and then we want it edited. It's probably going to take a day. How much is that for yeah. a day and a half? As opposed to kind of going to a videographer and saying, okay, we have this idea. And then it's, it's very hard for everyone, mm. you know? So I found yeah. that this process made it more precise 
and it was like it, it, it allows the person to own their video they're the director they're the producer they they own everything and then there's less um room for misunderstanding and miscommunication like i don't know how many times i delivered a video and the say the third stakeholder who i never met didn't like it yeah and i'm like but like where's how come that wasn't from? said before yeah, yeah how come that wasn't said but now with the way that i approach videos i've never had anyone unhappy because they're the decision maker they're involved from every single decision. I don't press record on the camera without something, a shot that they've already signed off on yeah. before we press record. So there's, there's nothing, it becomes now really simple to make and stuff like that. So so is it a bit of both? Is it training and production? It's mostly training. Yeah. But I, I do love to kind of go back then and work with companies. So the Court Chamber, for example, yeah. they're a great client and uh, they've done the video training. So they... Or don't feel confident enough to do the the filming and the editing fully. Now they do it with a lot of their videos, but just yeah. there's one style of video that they're like, we just don't want to mess it up, so yeah. we'll call you in. Yeah. But what they do is they send me their script and shot list on yeah. Wednesday night. I go and film for two hours on Thursday and I deliver the video to them on Thursday night. It's exactly what they planned. I'm literally just pressing the buttons yeah. and moving the yeah. stuff into place. The turnaround is so quick and it's just a lovely experience from start to end and they don't have to pay a fortune because it's a it's a really simple kind of process and stuff. So And that could be used by any organization in terms of if you're if you're I suppose continuously releasing videos, maybe about products, uh, your customers or something like that, you know, if it's not your big showcase ad yeah. for the T V, all the other stuff could be in a format, couldn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, but then there's some stuff that they can film themselves. And when I first started training, I was teaching people to edit using a phone app. It was okay, like it was grand. Yeah. So I edit my professional content using Adobe Premiere Pro. Yeah. Way too hard to teach. Too many buttons, too many options. Took Expensive me about a year as to well, learn. is it? Expensive as well. Yeah, yeah. So then they released a much cheaper and simpler beginner friendly version of it called Adobe Rush. So I started pe- teaching people then on desktop using Adobe Rush. Okay. And then more recently, CapCut came yeah. out and CapCut is free. It's now got a desktop version Whoa. as well as a mobile app. It has transitions that I couldn't even purchase to put into Premiere Pro. It is, it does auto subtitles where you click a button and it understands my accent and everything I say. I can customise the font. I cannot believe how much. And how do they make money? They or they're owned by TikTok. So I can't, I can't teach CapCut to large organisations yeah. or any public sector because it will never get past their um, tech department. So I teach them Rush, which is an Adobe product. Okay. Uh, but for those who are sole traders and are kind And for of, maybe some of the younger students that want to learn video listening to this. Yes. Go on to something like CapCut. Oh, I, I'm sure most of them already have it. Yeah. Is it like, is it like a, a Canva for video? Do oh, you know the way Canva changed the world for approach. design? That is, ex- that is a great comparison. Yeah. Because these tools are making creatives' lives much easier, aren't they? Totally, totally. And like, you know, like you said, now with Canva, it's all drag and drop. Like the text is there. The, the, there's all these like yeah. different things. Like with with um, CapCut, it, all the sound effects are there. If you want a, a crowd laughing and stuff like that. Like yeah. usually with Premiere Pro, I'd have to go and find a sound effect on the internet yeah. of someone laughing, yeah. import it into Premiere Pro. With CapCut, it's all it's all in there. It's and also you can tie it to your TikTok. Like I'm actually using it all of the time. Yeah. Do you know the likes of YouTube have their own editing studio? I think Facebook have a bit of it as well. Are they any good? No. Oh, they're all terrible. Like I've been yeah. through all of them. I thought it was just me. I'll be honest when I was trying to use them. But yeah. So that, no, <laughs> and they never work and it's yeah. constantly loading and you're like, what is happening here? Why is yeah. it working? I would say to everyone, delete all of your other stuff and, and just go for Kafka completely if, if you're allowed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and do you think stuff like this should be taught even in secondary school? Going back to like, do you know the way you were put into that business box? I believe that video, creating videos is going to be as important as PowerPoint yeah. for work in like five years time. And I remember the first time I said it, I was balked at, yeah. but I'm certain that that is going to be the case. Like yeah. it's it's how we are communicating. Yeah. And I do think that wearables and kind of, you know, video spaces are going to change again. So I think learning the skills sooner rather than later is going to be a huge benefit to anyone who, yeah. you know, even the simple stuff, you know, just 
presenting to camera. It, that's sorry, that's not simple at all. I shouldn't um, say that. Yeah, but do you find that a challenge to get people out of the comfort zone? You know, you're dealing with businesses all over the place, and you know, I'm sure you come across. I don't like being on camera. Like, what what do you do then? You just make it like you. Do you know what? I think it's the reassurance. I think people are like, I don't like being on camera because. I'm not sure how I come across on camera. Yeah. So then you're like, okay, here's what we do. And I use apps for everything. I've got a teleprompter app. So I get their script. I Like, I can't speak to camera yeah. without having some kind of, like, I can't just turn on the camera. Some people can. Yeah. I just chat away. Like, yeah. I need to have a plan in my head of what I'm going to say. Yeah. And sometimes I need it to be word for word. And I think people starting out definitely need that word for word. Yeah. So I'll write a script with them. A minute is about 130 words. So I'm like, okay, here's your minute. I'll put it into a teleprompter app. So the, the it, they're reading and yeah. they, it's like right next to the lens so it doesn't look like they're reading. And, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm going to put the camera at eye level. So that means you're neutral. You know, you're not looking yeah. down and yeah. in charge and you're not looking up and subservient. What they're wearing is important. Yeah. You know, like block colours, I think, are, are good. And yeah. a bit of powder on your face so you're not shiny. Yeah. Because yeah. when you're shiny, you look nervous and then yeah. your audience doesn't trust you as yeah. much. And, you know, like those little things. And then once I'm... So even though I might be going out and producing a video for someone, there's always training yeah. involved. Like I will never miss the opportunity to teach someone when I'm making them a video. And I'll I'll verbalise everything that I'm doing. And, you know, I'll be like, okay, so your hands aren't in the shop, but maybe raise your hands yeah. once or twice if you can, yeah. just to emphasise a point. And, and I'll keep, uh, like, that's the thing that I have with this is patience. I will make them do it 15 times until I get the take that I'm like, that's great. Then I'll take it away, I'll edit it. And then they'll look at it and be like, oh my God, I'm really good. And I'm like, I told you you were really good. You yeah. just needed And then they feel push. confident the next time you do it with them. Totally. And they know what to do. They know yeah. what to look out for. Yeah. And they can remember yeah. all those things. Yeah. And do you think businesses need to ensure that their staff are in front of the camera? Like, you know, uh, should it be even part of a job description? I, I would say so. I Yeah, like I would. Like most jobs are communication heavy. Yeah. And, you know, I've always hated, efficiency is always important to me. Like repeating myself is, 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 you know, I don't want to be repeating myself over and over again. Mm. So if I can make a video and send that to people, especially, yeah. you know, in large organisations where it's hard to get FaceTime with the important stakeholders. Yeah. They don't want to have a meeting. You can't get their diaries and stuff like that. The ability to put your script into a teleprompter, self-record, good lighting, good yeah. sound, and then upload that video to the shared server or whatever and say, hey guys, wasn't able to catch you these this week, but here is a video update on how the project is progressing so yeah. far. Done. Do you know? And then it's gone. And then, you know, most like I don't know you could also include the minutes but what you're doing then is you're appealing to all of the different types of learners yeah. you know some people are, are word document people yeah. they, they want it on text other people are visual learners so the chances of you getting your message across to everyone increase exponentially and then you become a super communicator if you're able to to do that but you're a super communicator yourself and I see you're always putting out videos teaching people online and like that takes a lot of effort for yourself but is that part of a marketing strategy for yourself as well or is it just something that you love I wish I was that strategic I, every time I sit down to try and do a strategy I'm like oh god you know what I actually have a really good idea for for a quick tip that I could make there and then I'm back in the yeah. in the doing back yeah. in the production so that is something like I'm I'm much do you know what it is it's um the cobbler who has no shoes or whatever it's yeah. like it's so it's easy for me to strategize another person's mm. video strategy for their business or their marketing yeah. strategy in yeah. general and then when it comes to my own I'm like oh. so this is a an area for me to go out and get some help yeah. from yeah. someone like you yeah. then to yeah. to just ask me those questions you know ask me the questions that I put people on the spot of why are you creating yeah. a marketing yeah. strategy I, I need that though we're all guilty so, of that though yeah. And everyone is guilty of working on someone else's stuff rather than your own stuff. Yeah. You know, but I think you actually, some of the, I see the videos like, I think you, you love teaching. I do. I do, yeah. So you found your perfect combination in many ways, that kind of bringing the creativity, but teaching other people how to be creative. I do. Like sometimes, okay, when I give workshops, so my workshops are, are three different sessions. The first yeah. session is planning for two hours. Yeah. Then I give them the workbook. They have to go off and fill it out. Then yeah. I come back and do filming for three hours. And then we come back another week later and we do the editing. So by the end of it, they should have, and then we have a little, uh, one week later. So on the fourth week, we have a little film festival where they have to come on 
and share their videos with oh, the brilliant. group and talk about their videos. So they actually deliver something out of the workshop. But like sometimes in that little video film festival, I'm looking at their videos and I'm like, how did she do that? Or he. And I'm like, you know, Frank, what, what software did you use to create that? That was so cool. And then they tell me what software they've used to create their video. And then I add that software to my next video workshop. So I'm just getting yeah. better and better from them being yeah. so good at what they're doing and sharing with me their their things. So, But the joy I get from seeing their final video and them so proud to yeah. show what they've made is it's really, really rewarding. More and so I, than I, what I, you'd I, even get from businesses in many ways, I'd, I'd imagine. And these would be businesses. So they'd be creating um, videos within their, their, their own jobs. company. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's all the employees of the same. Yeah. So when you're saying you're training, you're training one company at a time. It could be. Or with uh, Cork Chamber Skillnet, what they do is they do the advertising and the admin organisation side of it. And then I get one person from, from each company, yes. which is really cool as well. Because yeah. then you've got someone from a pharmaceutical company, so a sole trader. You've got all of yeah. these different businesses. Yeah. Yeah. And then they give feedback to each other as well, Brilliant. which is really, really cool. Yeah. And then people can see the wood from the trees. They're like, oh yeah, I actually never thought of that. Or I think what happens as well a lot is that people become um, like uh, susceptible, I suppose, to the curse of knowledge. Yeah. They assume because they know something so well that everyone knows it. Yeah. And you kind of have to say, come here, you're an expert at this. Like you have to scale it back now. And then they almost don't want to because they're like, but then I, I just look like, you know, it's I'm making it too simple. And I'm like, mm. I don't think that you can make something too simple. I think you have to make something simple. And when you say simple, so when we're making these videos, like what's your advice to people then? Where, where should they put them up? Well, that you know, in that first uh, page of the the planning workbook, it's where is this video going? Yeah. And what I try to say to people is like, okay, so have a preferred platform. Yeah. So for me, say I was making a video, say, well, it depends on the purpose of the video. So mm. say I want to get more clients for the Vid Academy workshops. My target audience is businesses. I'm going to go for LinkedIn yeah. on this one. So then I make my video for LinkedIn. Landscape. I make it landscape. Yeah. I make it less than two minutes. And, you know, I, I dress to meet my audience. Yeah. So, and everything has to be in a way that if their employer passes their desk, that it's okay that they're watching that video. Yes. It can't yeah. be, you know, yeah. there can't be anything mad in there. So I kind of have to think about all of that stuff when I'm, uh, when I'm making it for LinkedIn. But then I might say, I wonder, is there a way that I could make a behind the scenes video of the making of this video for TikTok and include something else in there? Or can I make a one minute version of it for Twitter? Because I don't think Twitter's converts video well what do you think no, no no it's never been strong for video no um, it's it's it started to improve a bit you can now have four videos at a go but which is weird it's the only platform that actually allows you to put four videos up at the same time didn't even see that yeah since before Christmas or yeah if you notice you'll just see four things going at the same time obviously you have to click in to actually hear the sound or to watch it but it'll give you the four but um, whether it'll evolve it was always friendly to YouTube that if you put a link into YouTube, sometimes it would play it, mm -hmm. sometimes it wouldn't. Yeah, but it's an ultimate chat room, basically, yeah. Twitter, you know, yeah. and and very good for, I suppose, with TV and conversation and stuff like that. But yeah, not as strong as the other platforms. I think you're better off almost taking a screenshot from your video yeah. and talking about something that you learned in the making of it or something like that. Like it's a, yeah, I put them up there anyway, just in case. But I think but, it's no harm to put them everywhere. Yeah. But I think landscape still works better on Twitter, even though it does take the portrait mode as well. Yeah. Uh, and I know LinkedIn takes port portrait mode, but if they look on a PC, we still have those kind of weird yeah. lines. It's not black. Sometimes it's white or grey or something. And sometimes they do that nice blurry thing. Yeah. Um, I like that. I think yeah. that's kind of the best way to kind of show it. But yeah, I would go landscape. I would go probably 90 seconds for LinkedIn and, you know, try to make it as business oriented as possible. Yeah. But again, like that's like... Unless I have that first page figured out with the person, yeah. I won't move on because some some somewhere along the line it always gets mixed up. So like th that is if if I'm if you're listening and you're thinking about making a video at the moment, just put down the five W's. Why am I making this video? Who is the video for? Where is the video going? What is the key message? When do I want to upload this video? And once yeah. you've all those figured out, it's so much easier then for the rest of the the pieces to fall into place. And what about the likes of TikTok and Instagram then with the reels and? It's nearly more kind of entertainment, isn't it? In many ways. Do you know, I was listening to Shauna Doyle on your podcast yeah. um, the other day and I thought, I thought like, do you know, when you, when you have an idea in your head about something, but then when someone else says it, you're like, okay, verified validity to this. Because I was thinking it too. 
Instagram Reels and TikTok are are totally different. Yeah. I'm so cool with putting up weird stuff on TikTok. Like I don't really care. What, like I'll use funny filters on TikTok and yeah. I'll I'll go a bit mad on TikTok. Instagram, I feel like it has it's more like you can't you have to be a bit more polished or something. I don't know what it is. I and call it the beautiful network. It's curated a bit better, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It is. Whereas TikTok's a bit more fun. And when she said that, I was yeah. like, I'm not the only yeah. person thinking yeah. that. That's that's actually everyone kind of knows that. So that's, that was great um, to hear from her. I suppose it's no different to what you you know you've worked on TV and the different channels you're going to expect something different if you go to the comedy channel you're going to expect a different type of show than if you're on CNN yeah you know like or, or National Geographic or you know it's and you probably have to treat social platforms the same definitely definitely yeah but I think that you're right too I think upload it to, like if you've got a video put yeah. it everywhere yeah. yeah and you know like recently as well I made a, a vertical short I'm going to call like I call them vertical shorts when it's reels TikTok and YouTube shorts um, because they're all shot vertically and they're less than a minute. Uh, so I uploaded it to three of the platforms mm. and I got, I'd say, 900 views on Instagram, about 10 views on YouTube and 110,000 views on TikTok. Same video. Whoa. Mental. Yeah, like, TikTok's algorithms. But is that, I wonder as well, the amount of people watching videos on it? Well, I think what happens as well, and again, this is an assumption now, I haven't uh, tested it beyond this, but I think you've got a, a very short window of time on Instagram Reels yeah. for your video to either get into the algorithm yeah. or to get kicked out. With TikTok, what I've noticed is that my video goes a bit dead and then they must have a quiet day and then they reboost my video and all of a sudden it's like grrr, loads yeah, of views and, and, yeah. and followers again and then it goes dead again. And then I think they're having a slow day again. They're like, okay, boost that video. I haven't seen that ever happen in Reels where a video that I made that did well started doing well again. Like it hasn't come yeah, back, but yeah. I'd be interested actually to hear your um, listeners. And the other thing view. about, um, in, I suppose, the difference between TikTok and Instagram, TikTok is pure video. Like there is no images. Yeah. You know, you're not competing with anything else. Yeah. You're not competing with lovely little slides, carousels and unbelievable photography or if you think about it, it, it is very different. It's it's a pure play of video, more so even than YouTube, because you don't really read the text at the bottom. Yeah, yeah. and in YouTube, you do spend more time in comments, don't you? You do, like, it, but in YouTube, you kind of have to go from one video to the next and go back in through the search. Yeah. Whereas you don't really search for videos on TikTok. So true. You don't even need a following, to be honest. Yeah. On TikTok. I know that sounds bizarre. It's a bonus if you have it, but you just said, I presume you don't have 110,000 followers. No, 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 no. So if you think about it, it's the, it goes against all of the other ones in that it's all about the actual content. And you're so right. And do you know what's really interesting as well? It's like, have you ever created a, a visual, some kind of graphic or a picture or something and you, you put it on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram yeah. and you're like, and then you go to TikTok and you're like, oh, I, I, wanna, I can't put this on yeah. here. But then what it does is the constraint is actually an opportunity because you're like, how do I make this yeah, a video? Yeah. And then you all of a sudden you've yeah. got a video idea yeah. and you're like, yes. So we, that's what I love about it. I really think that this is going to be my year of TikTok anyway. I think yeah. that I'm going to put a lot more time. I feel like it's giving me back so much more than Instagram is that I'm like, maybe it is an area of focus yeah. that I should go into. Another area of focus that you're going into. Over the last two months, I've seen you appear for loads of different things and it hasn't been Vid Academy. The story of? Explain it. So the story of this is I'm this is now where I hope I'll be in for a while from now on. Like this is where I really feel like I can do something really meaningful. The idea is that you capture stories of your potentially aging loved ones. Yeah. Host them on a web page and then you get a QR code where you can link to that web page and Eventually, after they die, you can put the QR code onto a gravestone, a bench or an urn. Yeah. And then, you know, future ancestors or generations can scan that QR code yeah. and learn about that person's life and some of yeah. the lessons that they yeah. have to pass on. Um, I just think that, like, we lose people every day, but we don't need to lose their stories. Yeah. We have this digital device that allows us to capture, yeah. you know, anything, images, videos, audio recordings, text, whatever. And... I just think it's a massively missed opportunity to not yeah. get some of those things from people yeah. that are so important that you wish that you could go back and ask your grandparents. Like, well, ask your parents now yeah. and put it on this webpage and yeah. keep it forever, hopefully. 
It's I've, amazing no one has done it before. Or is there versions of it? There's definitely versions of it, you know, and I think the timing was wrong Um, before now. I think that, you know, I had this idea, like it was probably eight years ago, the first time I videoed my mum okay. and it was going to be like elder tube, like yeah. YouTube for old people. Yeah. Um, but it was video only. So it was like the TikTok version of this. Yeah. And then when I met uh, Danny O'Donovan, who is another Cork business person, um, he's got a company called Quick Minutes, yeah. minute taking for businesses. He was trying to get a gravestone uh, redone for his his family, his kind of family grave gravestone, his grandfather's. And uh, he was like, you can only put a certain amount of characters on a gravestone and it doesn't tell you anything about the person. And it's basically, he was like, why don't I get an iPad and put it into a glass enclosure on the gravestone and then get some kind of solar panel to like charge the <laughs> iPad so that pictures show throughout. I, I went, When he was telling me, I was like, I could see it. Like, I was like, that's so cool. And I was like, and then he was like, but now I'm thinking, why not a QR code? And I was yeah. like, brilliant. And then the QR code could lead to Elder Tube. And uh, we had this moment of poof. And then we were in Republic of Work now. So we did the NDRC uh, Founders Weekend. Yeah. And we did a huge amount of customer calls during that weekend. Yeah. I think I spoke to 14 different people and I didn't ask them, I didn't tell them about the business. Yeah. I didn't pitch it. It's like the mom test, that book, you never tell your mom about your business because she's going to tell you you're great. Yeah. So instead you ask them open-ended questions like, have you ever filmed your parents? Have you ever recorded their memories? If you were to record their memories, where would you store them? Yeah. So we got all this information back and what we learned is that it can't be video only a lot of older people are allergic to video. Yeah. They'll do audio yeah. or they'll do text. So then it became kind of more of like a Facebook page kind of thing, but yeah. a dedicated Facebook page to life lessons and important memories. Maybe even a Wikipedia page. I'm not really sure how to best describe it. So um, they'll all have their own dedicated page? Yeah. And have you people doing it as it is? We do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we've got... We only have about 10 pages up so far. Yeah. We're doing everything manually. Yeah. So we were on Nationwide and then we got on Ireland AM and all yeah. the radio stations. So we've got like loads of people now who are like, you know, like a, a thousand people plus who are waiting, kind of who were lined up to create pages with. Yeah. And again, it's all manual at the moment. You know, we're doing it ourselves and we're, we're, yeah. we're curating with them. Um, So it's going to take time to, but we want to prove that this is something that people want yeah. and then potentially get investors. But, you know, when I think of investment, I'm like, that it's a loan, you know, yeah. like you, you'd want to be sure that you can pay it back. So I want to be certain that yeah. this is viable. It's a great idea. I want to be sure that it's something that we can get. And we're learning. We're learning an awful lot as we yeah. go. And But I I love this. I adore it, but... It's but it's like, like, in many ways, Facebook have proven that this works because I think of the memories section on mm. Facebook, you know, and it makes me smile around Christmas. I see my own kids when they were small and stuff like that, like, you know, singing to the camera or whatever. And it's like, I, I've, I've often said to students, for the first time ever, it's like having your picture album in the corner of the room, opening the door of the cupboard that's, it's dusted over, no one's used it for ages and all of a sudden, hey, do you know what happened on this day 10 years ago? I love that. There you go. Yeah. People love that. People love memories. People love looking back over old stuff. And I'm sure, especially when they've lost a loved one, they mightn't do it straight away. It might be hard for them. But I think yeah. after a while, it becomes a kind of a comfort zone. A, a, a cathartic thing. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And and I did one for my great grandfather who has a wild story. Um, and I got to learn so much about him, you know, but I've like I've done one for my mum who's alive and yeah. we've, we've, she's answered video questions and stuff. And then I've done someone who's already passed away. And th it's it's different actually for both. That's interesting. So you can do ones for people who have passed so that the people who still remember them can write it in. Exactly. So I'd have to ask my mum loads of questions yeah. about what she remembers yeah. about him. And then I had to go and do digging and, you know, you have to you have to talk with your cousins. And it's 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 a really wonderful hobby. To, yeah. to go out and do this and yeah. I think certain people I think within every family there's there's a storyteller yeah. and they're just looking for help with kind of the curation yeah. and the and the putting this together and someone said recently they were like but sure Facebook does that you know it's just like Facebook or whatever and I was like yeah but Facebook own your data yeah. and you know while they'll memorialise a page and stuff like that like it's all this stuff like you know it's yeah. like it, it, yeah. it's not curated at all it's a, it's a timeline kind of thing it's, it's not in your words so you could make it that way I suppose but like we want to, we want to make this this very simple for people to do that it becomes almost, oh yeah, of course I'll do that. You know, it's... So there's a format and I presume they pay for it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So they'll they'll pay for the, 
the I suppose the storytelling help I suppose the the hosting of the webpage indefinitely yeah. Yeah. We're, we're, again everything is being figured out yeah. and then they'll pay for a QR code then to be delivered to their door that they can uh, retrospectively attached to something like a sticker or, or something. Like, well, it's kind of an aluminium. It's it's hard, and then um, it's it, it can be black or whatever the color of the the grave is, yeah. um, whatever you're planning, and then it's it's stuck on. But uh, if you walk around gravestones at the moment, there's loads of pictures that are there retrospectively is, yeah. attached. Yeah. So it's the same kind of thing, but instead of a picture, it's a QR. And people would probably do it with their pets and stuff as well. <laughs> That's ex- well, it was so funny because people have been in touch already to talk about yeah. that. So, but I'm, I was only talking to Danny and uh, and Luke about it the other day. Luke is our third co-founder. He is brilliant as well. He's another videographer, storyteller. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he's great uh, for the storytelling as well. Uh, but we were, I was saying, I was like, yeah, but we can't have pets and humans on the same page. You might have to come <laughs> up with a different... Uh, it might have yeah. to be a different thing. But they were like, okay, well, we just need to figure out what the interest is, yeah, yeah. is at the moment. So... I'd love to be on this full time. Yeah. It's not yet, yeah. but it's kind of, we're planting as many seeds as we can to try and make this something future viable and really beneficial to people. Because, you know, I know I have my mum's page now. I look at it at the odd time and I kind of, you know, get a laugh off it because she's very funny and she's yeah. got great lessons to yeah. share. But I know 10 years after my mum passes away, that is going to be invaluable yeah. to me. And I haven't realised the value of it yet, yeah. but I know I yeah. will yeah. at some stage in the future. I finish the podcast with three questions every week. And the first one is, what tip would you give another business? So I'm thinking of you, again, the sole trader. What what tip would you give a sole trader? I think um, another quote I, I, I look to all the time is that um, the difference between successful people and really successful people is that really successful people say no to almost everything. I think learning to say no even when you're really stressed out about like, I don't know if I'm going to make enough money this month. Yeah. If something doesn't feel right, just say no. Something else will come in. I don't know how the universe works, but it does. And, you know, saying no is is difficult. It's scary, but it's it's really important. And maybe not at the start. Maybe at the start, you just kind of have to say yes to everything and, and learn all the lessons that you can. But I think that you get to a certain stage where saying yes actually hinders you as opposed to pushes you along. I think saying no is, is, is really powerful. And the second question I have is what tip would you give an individual? And I'm thinking the creatives, there's probably a lot of them listening. What tip would you give a young creative? Say yes to everything. <laughs> the opposite, try everything? I, I actually would say, yeah, I'd say, I'd say try your hand at everything. And uh, like, you don't, you're not supposed to know everything. And I think, you know, I've worked with a few people who are really young and just out of college and they've given me this sense of like, oh, yeah, no, I know how to do that. I know how to do that. I know how to do that. And then I might give them a job and then they don't know how to do that. And I'm like, why did they say they knew how to do that when they didn't know how to do that? Like, I think there's a whole fake it till you make it thing that isn't actually the yeah. right way to go. Like, yeah. it's okay to not know something. Yeah. And it's okay to say, I'm not sure how to do that, but let me try and figure it out, yeah. you know. So I think maybe chill out with the confidence until, yeah, you know, a bit. Does yeah. that make sense to you? Yeah, don't don't be so, like, I know everything because, you know, uh, we've all probably been guilty if we look back on it over time that there's this sense of, I've just studied it, so I should know it. Yeah. You don't know everything and yeah. it's okay. That's the beauty of creative work. Yeah, you'll never stop learning all the time. There's yeah. so much to learn, you know. No, the last one we have a, a new sponsor on the show, Skillsbase, and what we're looking for is what's the essential skill that you need in, in your industry, and for video, what's the most important skill? You have to plan, and nobody wants to plan. Yeah, but like you really, the the better, the more time you put into planning the more you will get out of your video and the more you'll learn. So I would suggest really spending more time in the strategy planning side of things than anywhere else. And then it should be as simple as Tetris. It should be getting the block, moving the block into place and and, and that should be it then from there. So so that's my, my process is like eight steps. It doesn't need to be eight, but like it's the five W's first. Then it's deciding um the, the aspect ratio and the duration based yeah. on your platform. Then it's storyboarding. Then it's adding a hook uh, to the start of the video. So the video opens up with something entertaining. And then it's turning your storyboard with the hook into a script and shot list. Yeah. And then putting down milestones into your calendar when you're going to plan, film and edit. And then it's uh, being very careful with the legal requirements as well. 
do you have release forms signed by people and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so so once yeah. you've got that workbook filled out, then you're then you're showing up on Thursday morning to film the person. They know exactly what's expected of them, what to wear, what to say, and you're just filming it and hopefully editing it that day. Great tip. Thanks a million, Judy, for coming on to the podcast. It's been fascinating. Um, looking forward to seeing where Story Of goes. Um, I think it's a fantastic concept, but also I'm interested to see where Vid Academy goes over the next couple of years as well. Thanks again for coming in. Thanks a million, Stephen and Elaine. That wraps up this week's podcast. Thanks again to our sponsor, Skillsbase app, which is a solutions provider for companies looking for mobile-first engagement and blended learning tools. To find out more information on what they can do, visit skillsbase.ie. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the show and get in contact with us on all social platforms. I will be back again next week with a brand new episode.